Welcome to another episode of The Gospelpreneur, where we explore Bible secrets to prospering in wealth, health, relationships, and faith. Your host, Brother Andre, digs deeply into biblical science and practical applications while encouraging growth in all areas of our lives. So if you're ready to grow, let's enjoy this journey to biblical abundance. Here's Brother Andre. go everything is up and flowing up and running tonight welcome 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 everyone uh, tonight we are going to have the privilege of opening our bibles bringing in the sabbath being in the presence of holy angels and opening god's word uh lord you guys know i know you know we need jesus i don't know if you know <laughs> if you know me you know I need Jesus, and I'm encouraging all of you who are listening, who are observing, who are watching. We all need him. I mean, there's no, there's no question in my mind, and there's no misnomer in my experience that every moment of every day, if I don't have him, it's it's a it's a problem. So I'm going to encourage you tonight as we are studying. Let's look and see if we can press closer and closer and closer to our Lord and Savior. And before we begin, because I'm not smart enough or intelligent enough to communicate the realities of the gospel, neither am I worthy. I'm going to ask that you bow your heads with me as we pray and ask God for his Holy Spirit to be our teacher this evening. Our Father in heaven, we wanna thank you for your grace and mercy. We wanna thank you, Father, for not giving us what we deserve, but giving us what your dear son does. Lord, you know us. There's nothing hid from your eyes. You know our struggles. You know our pains. You know where we are in our walk with you. And tonight, Father, we ask for the gift of the Holy Spirit, which is the only effectual teacher of truth. And we ask this not because we are worthy, for we're far from it. But we're asking because you tell us to come boldly to your throne of grace that we may obtain grace and mercy in time of need. And Lord, without question, this is a time of need. We love you, Father. We beg of you to teach us to love you more than anything else in this world. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. All right. So let's get ready to study. Let's get ready to dig deep. Now, I don't know about you. Uh, this week has been a blessed week as far as getting things done, accomplishing different, certain tasks. Before I get to the study, I do want to just share a short testimony. So at the end of last year, there were uh, donations given to our nonprofit organization here. And it was enough to kind of get some renovations started over at the lodge, which has been very, very good. I'm looking forward to uh, taking pictures and showing you guys what we've done with the floors. They've been refurbished. And uh, right now the last coat is being put on, well, not right now, but Monday, the last coat's being put on the floor. So it's looking very good and there's gonna be some paint work done. And so I'm very grateful to those of you who have helped to invest in our ministry and it's just been a real blessing and we are very appreciative of what what has transpired thus far and what is soon to come i was just chatting with a couple of friends of mine and we're planning to or i'm planning to we're planning to have folks come and visit and those of you who are watching right now uh you look out for an invitation or one one weekend where everybody can come and visit and we can pray together and hang out together for a sabbath and just Encourage each other in the Lord, you know, because we're living in these precarious times and we just need to encourage one another and 
get away from our norm sometimes. So just look out for that. We'll be inviting you in person uh, to, to the property here. So look out for that. I'm excited for that. All right. So we're getting ready to study. And today we are going to be studying the topic, uh, a topic that you guys and you and I need to study. Growth is inevitable. This is lesson number eight. And uh, please be patient with me as I'm still writing out the other two lessons uh, and the recordings are pretty much done and edited. So they'll be out shortly as well. But this lesson is lesson number eight. Growth is inevitable. There is space for grace. That's the subtitle I've given our, our topic tonight. There is space for grace. And this is this is going to be powerful, friends. And I, when I say it, it's not because I'm powerful, because I'm not. But the word is powerful. And, and God is good. And he's merciful. And he's gracious. And he's going to be dropping, if I can say this, dropping some gems, giving some revelations to us as we are studying this evening. So let's talk. Let's talk about this. Now, I want to, when I was in uh, college, I had a teacher. His name was Harry Janesco, Mr. J. We used to call him Mr. J. And he would have these illustrations for every chapter in Steps to Christ. He would have these wonderful illustrations that he would share with us that would just like just etch in our minds. Because, you know, you don't always read and remember everything. But visually, I remember. And I remember in one particular class, in one particular day, as he was going through this book, Steps to Christ, he came into the class like a mad scientist. <laughs> and when he came into the class like a mad scientist, he came in there and he had all these concoctions and he was putting this concoction and this concoction and this concoction and that concoction. And he was in his lab, if you will, trying to create life. That was his objective. Like he was going to create life that day. So he's in the lab trying to create life. And of course, he couldn't create life for no life. You know, like you have to have life that, to create life. But he, in his mad scientist ways, was trying to illustrate that life cannot be generated without life. Then I thought about it. And when you, talk, when you think about your spiritual growth, when you think about spiritual life, when you speak about, think about spiritual development, you can't develop those things of your natural self. Because innately, we don't have the spiritual fortitude and life that is necessary. Heaven must give us life. In fact, let's go to 1 Peter chapter 2. I want to look at a, a verse very quickly here. 1 Peter chapter 2 and look at verse number 2. In 1 Peter chapter 2 and verse number 2, please notice what your Bible says. And I'm just going there. I'm almost there myself. 1 Peter. Chapter two, there we go. And we're going to read verse two and pay close, close, close attention. Now, this is Peter talking to the church, and he, and he says this. As newborn babes desire the sincere milk of the word that ye may, what's it say? That ye may grow. So the milk of the word is to be given as newborn babes, as babes in Christ, as children, we are to have milk. Now, I know I'm going to hear somebody from a present true circle say, we don't need milk right now. We need meat. But please pay attention. Please, please don't jump ahead of the story. OK, so Peter is talking. He says, as newborn babes desire 
the sincere milk of the word that you may grow. If so be ye have tasted that the Lord is gracious. You see that baby in that picture? I tried to find a cute picture, you know, and that baby looks so comfortable right there. It's not crying. <laughs> it's not fighting, but it's a babe. And that babe doesn't need a lot of complicated things. It needs the purest form of food that can be possibly given and is given from the mother's breast. And that's the milk. It has all the nutrients necessary for life, for growth and development. The milk. Ephesians chapter four. Go to Ephesians chapter four. Galatians, Ephesians, Philippians, right? Ephesians, Galatians, Ephesians, Ephesians chapter four. And look at verse number 15. It says, but speak the truth in love. How is the word supposed to be given? In love. But speaking the truth in love may grow up into him in all things, which is the head, even in Christ or even Christ. So speaking the truth in love may grow up in him. So here's this idea that first the text is highlighting that we need to grow via the milk of milk of the word. Here it says, speaking the truth in love that ye may grow. Our growth and development in our Christian walk is almost, how, how do I say this? When my daughter was a little girl and she was trying to grow, I would tell her, if you keep growing, you're going to be on punishment. <laughs> And of course, she would keep growing. There was, there's like nothing I could do to stop her from growing. It's like the growth was inevitable. So it is in the Christian walk. Your growth is inevitable. One way or the other, if you allow for your growth, it will happen. You can't even force it to happen. Hear me now, because this is important as you're, you and I are learning to love God. Isaiah, look at this. Isaiah chapter 61 Isaiah 61, and look at verse number three. Isaiah 61, verse three says, to appoint unto them that mourn in Zion, to give unto them beauty for ashes, the oil of joy for mourning, the garment of praise for the spirit of heaviness, that they might be called, what are they going to be called? Trees of righteousness, the planting of the Lord, that he might be glorified. Interesting. So they're called trees of righteousness that they may be planted. Now, when we're talking about plants, plants grow. Now, I don't know if you ever did a garden before. I don't know if you ever planted anything before, but if you have, you know that planting is an amazing, simple concept. You take a seed and you put it in the dirt so many you know inches in depending on what kind of seed you're planting you put the seed in there you, you prepare the soil you put the water you have the sun shining on it you try to have the right temperature and i guess what in all of that you can't make the seed grow the seed germinates by the power and the grace of god alone that's it there's nothing you can do of your natural self to help to, to make the seed grow. Now you can help with the conditions. You can set the things up proper. I've seen it that we've thought we've done. 
if anybody remembers some of the projects we do here at Tacoa, we we set things up so perfect, trying to transplant plants, and then we do exactly what we think we're supposed to do, and that thing just 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 or nothing happens. Like you plant the seed, and nothing happens. Nothing grows. But the seed, in its germination is a supernatural event, even in the physical world. And as it is in the physical world, so it is in the spiritual, okay? It is the growth that happens. And yes, you could create the conditions, you help with the conditions, but the actual germination of the seed is something that God himself does. You see, my friends, if you are paying attention to our studies from day after day after day after day after day, every time we've met, it's God who starts it. It's God who loves. It's God who puts it, you know, with the family, showing his love via nature, via the uh, 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 relationships, via the scripture, via Christ. It's Christ who, when he reveals himself, we understand our true nature. It's, it's Christ that gives us repentance. It's Christ that helps us confess our reality. It's Christ that the word that invigorates faith it's it's everything christ initiates my friends our job is cooperation i'm hoping that's making sense like if you follow the simplicity of what we've been walking through literally you will grow as a believer but let's go a little bit further with this let's 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 go ahead a little bit further with this now John, I want to go to John 3 before I go to these texts. I want to go to John chapter 3. Let me go back real quick. Go to John chapter 3 and verse 3. Now, remember, I said to you that life, the the initiation of life comes from God himself. You don't make life. And you and I don't make growth either. John chapter 3 and looking at verse 3, the Bible says, Jesus said, answered and said unto him, Verily, verily, I say unto thee, except a man be born from born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. Unless he be born again. He has to be born from above. Again, this happens because God himself initiates the process of salvation. God himself initiates this new birth that we need as babes. In Christ. And listen to me, friends. I know that there's a point in which we need to grow up and be mature. But if you've ever been an adult and you went home to visit your mama or your daddy, I don't know if anybody else knows about this. I go home to visit my mom. You know where I'm going? I go and lay on my mom. Let's go lay my head on her shoulder. Go lay my head on her lap. You know what I'm saying? Yes, I'm a grown man. <laughs> I run organizations, <laughs> I have my own business. But I go see my mama. I'm a baby for a few minutes because I recognize my need. You follow what I'm saying? And so it is with Christ. Like if you're with Christ, you have that opportunity to rest in him, knowing that he knows you inside and out and that he's the one that's responsible for your growth. All right, let's go further now. Let's let's go to the passages of scripture here. Let's take a, a look. Let's take a look. So as it is with life, so it is with growth. What do I mean? Go to Mark chapter four, and we're looking at verse 28. Mark 
chapter 4, and we're looking at verse 28. Notice the description of the growth. Mark 4.28 says, For the earth bringeth forth fruit of herself, first the blade, then the ear, after that the full corn in the ear. Now notice the idea of growth is that you're not complete from day one. You have not reached the zenith from day one. You have not reached the apex from day one. Growth says, again, the Bible highlighting, for the earth bringeth forth fruit of herself, first the blade, then the ear, after that, the full corn in the ear. So you have to start somewhere. Does that make sense? Like your, your Christian walk has to begin somewhere. And when you begin somewhere, then there's that process. There's a growth and development. So if you have not reached the zenith from day one, that means you must give yourself space for grace to work. Stop beating yourself up because you have not reached the zenith as yet. I hope someone's hearing me. The devil loves to put that guilt trip on you, my friends. You don't have to take it. You can just take God at his word. Hosea. Let's go to the book of Hosea. Hosea. Chapter 14. Chapter 14. And we're looking at verses 5 and 7. Hosea chapter 14, verses 5 and 7. The Bible says, I will be as the dew unto Israel. He shall grow as the lily. So now notice how. Notice how the Bible is now likening the growth of Israel to a plant, just like we just read about a literal plant in Mark chapter 4, verse 28. Now we're reading about Israel being like a plant and God himself being the dew. Notice he's presenting himself as the condition. Remember I told you about the germination of the seed, the preparation of the soil, the water, the sun, all that? Watch, watch, what the, watch how the Bible highlights God's work in our growth. Watch this. I will be as the dew unto Israel. He shall grow as the lily and cast forth his roots as Lebanon. Verse 7. They that dwell under his shadow shall return. They shall revive as the corn and grow as the vine. The scent thereof shall be as the wine of Lebanon. Do you, do you see how God is likening the growth of Israel, the growth of Israel to a plant? And if it's the growth of Israel is like a plant, that means there are levels in your development of your Christian walk. So don't beat yourself up if you have not reached what you consider the zenith of your Christian experience. Very, very important. Very important. Notice what else we're going to read now. Luke chapter 12, verse 27. Luke chapter 12. Mark Luke. Luke chapter 12. In verse 27, the Bible says, consider the lilies, how they grow. Interesting. Talking about this growth. Consider the lilies, how they grow. They toil not. They spin not. And yet I say unto you that Solomon in all his glory was not arrayed like one of these. So you see, Solomon likened unto a lily. The lily is growing. It's developing. Isaiah chapter 60. And it's okay if we're turning in our scriptures tonight. Isaiah chapter 60. 
We're talking about spiritual growth, growth being inevitable as long as we are in Christ. Isaiah 60 verse 19 says, the sun shall no more, the sun shall be no more thy light by day. Neither for brightness shall the moon give light unto thee. Well, why? Why are you saying this, Lord? But the Lord shall be unto thee an everlasting light and thy God, thy glory. So I, I hope you noticed so far what has transpired in the text that we've read. We have seen that God himself is liking himself like dew on his church. Just like, again, we're talking about growth, just like we would water a plant. And just like we will put a plant in the vicinity of the sun so it receives sunlight, the Bible here likens God himself to being bright like the sun. No need for the sun. So Christ is positioning himself as everything that we need for our growth and development. He's positioning himself as if you need uh, vitamin D, <laughs> spiritually speaking. God is the source for you in that growth and development. You need hydration. Christ is the hydration for you in your growth and development. You don't do this on your own. Please keep this in mind. Sometimes, my friends, for some reason, we have taken our eyes off of the source of everything that we need in order to fulfill our own needs. I know people right now in this very moment who've given up their walk with Christ because they haven't even thought of Christ as their source. They thought of their religion. And then there's like, oh, I don't want nothing to do with religion. Well, why don't you? You don't want anything to do with religion because you have a Christless religious walk. You will give up your faith in God. You will give up your walk in God because you have neglected your vital connection. And listen, friends, the more I think about our, the more I think about the study, the more I go through my Christian walk, I know without question the devil's number one objective is to have you take your hand out of the hand of God. That's his number one objective. And he will do that whether he gets you focusing on somebody else or he gets you focusing on your own weaknesses. He will do whatever it takes to make you lose sight of Jesus. And I'm saying don't lose sight of Jesus. He ever lives to make intercession. He is ever present with his children, even right now, even as I'm speaking with you. He is ever present and wanting to help us. So we just read Isaiah chapter 60, verse 19. Let's go to Psalms. Psalms chapter 80, or division of Psalms, 84th division of Psalms, verse 11. Psalms, the 84th division, in verse 11, the Bible says, for the Lord God is a sun and shield. Again, you see how they've likened the characteristics to that which a normal plant would receive? The Lord God, for the Lord God is a sun and a shield. The Lord will give grace and glory. What are you going to give? Grace and glory. No good thing will he withhold from them that walk uprightly, my friends. God is a sun and a shield. He's going to give grace and glory. He's whatever we need in our development, in our Christian walk. He is willing and able and even presently giving us what we need. We already read Hosea 14, verse, 5, verse 5. Let's go to Psalms 72 and verse number 6. Psalm 72 and verse 6. I like this. Notice. <laughs> okay, let's just read it. Psalm 72 and verse 6, the Bible says, 
He shall come down like rain upon the mown grass as showers that water the earth. In his days shall the righteous flourish in the abundance of peace so long as the moon endureth. Do you see it, my friends? Do you see it here? Here, God again is likening himself. He first saw himself as dew. We read that. We saw him as sun and shield. We see him now as rain. Everything that is needed for the growth of the children of the Most High, God himself is to us. Our need cries for him. Our need beckons his call. Oh, I like this. Thank you, Brother Roy, for that. I'll read what Brother Roy just put in the chat. It says, God calls upon all who will to come and drink of the waters of life freely. The power of God is the one element of efficiency in the grand work of obtaining victory over the world, the flesh, and the devil. It is in accordance with the divine plan that we follow every ray of light given of God. Man can accomplish nothing without God. This is the part I want to make sure we get. Man can accomplish nothing without God, and God has arranged his plans so as to accomplish nothing in the restoration of the human with the divine. Uh, I'm sorry, restoration of the human race without the cooperation of the human and the divine. The part of man is required to sustain is immeasurably small, yet in the plan of God. It is just that part that is needed to make the work a success. Let me pause for a second with that. The small part of our walk with God is the part that we neglect. That of all the things that we read, we read of all these things that we have to be as believers, that small part where we learn to cooperate and yield ourselves to God in the process of helping us grow, we miss. And this is what makes our walk unnecessarily hard. Now, our walk is going to be hard, okay? But it's not hard like the oppressed evil people's walk is. Our, our, our hardness is in yielding to the reality of what God wants because self wants to remain in the throne, right? That small part that we play is to cooperate. What does God want to do? He says, I'm your son. I'm your shield. I'm your rain. I'm your nutrients. I'm your bread. I am everything to you. Will you be willing to allow me to be everything to you? That's the question. John chapter 6, verse 33. Watch this now. John chapter 6, verse 33. The Bible says, For the bread of God is he which cometh down from heaven and giveth life unto the world. Again, Christ is equating himself. He's equating himself to the nutrients of his, of his beloved. He is everything to us, my friends. And we must learn to yield to him in all aspects of our lives. I want to read this to you. I thought this was an amazing quote, and I'm going to make sure I read it here. It says, in the matchless gift of his son. Now, matchless means it nothing can measure to. In the matchless gift of his son. God has encircled the whole world with an atmosphere of grace as real as the air which circulates around the globe. Think about that. Use your imagination. In the matchless gift of his son, God has encircled the whole world with an atmosphere of grace as real as the air which circulates around the globe. All who choose to breathe this life-giving atmosphere will live and grow up to the stature 
of men and women in Christ Jesus. Now notice, notice, it says all who choose to breathe this life-giving atmosphere, meaning it's available for everybody. There's no limit to the availability of this beautiful air, of this beautiful graceful atmosphere but you have to choose to receive what heaven is providing. God's not going to force feed you uh, nutrients. He's not going to force feed you the word. He's not going to force feed you any of his blessings. He's not going to force feed you because he respects your choice. But my friends, it's abundant and available. Think about the air that you breathe right now. You didn't make this air that you breathe. The air is here. You are breathing it as the grace of God has provided it. He is so good. He is so merciful. Just do this exercise for a moment. Are you ready? I'm going to do the exercise. What we're going to do right now, just, just so you can get the point, I want you to take a deep breath. Are you ready? You mark? Get set. Breathe through your nose. 10 seconds. Hold. Okay, breathe out. Did you know you just breathe in some fresh, some, I don't know if it's fresh air, but some air. <laughs> the illustration says that the grace of God has encircled the world just like the atmosphere that we breathe. So that you are breathing in this graceful atmosphere at all times, even while you're not doing right, it's present. I hope you hear what I'm saying. It's powerful, my friends. If you choose to accept it, you will grow. It is inevitable. Your spiritual life will grow inevitably. So don't, don't, don't keep your eyes on yourself and start saying, oh, I messed up. I'm such a horrible person. Guess what? You're still breathing. That means there's grace all around. Amen. Hallelujah. <laughs> if you're breathing, that means there's grace all around and heaven is allowing you to breathe in that atmosphere of grace until we turn back to him. That's how much grace is available, my friends. That's how much he loves us. You see, the enemy wants you to stop thinking that because he wants you to start thinking about your imperfections. He wants you to start thinking about everybody else's imperfections. The church is crazy. The world is crazy. Everybody's crazy. Sometimes we'll just all go crazy. And in him distracting us, we lose power. We lose strength. Your spouse may not be treating you proper. You lose strength when you focus on that. Your children may not be doing the right thing. You lose strength when you focus on that. My friends, there's grace everywhere. You breathe it, even in this moment in time right now. God is so good. He is so good. He's so amazing. And the more we talk of this, the more strength we receive. The more we contemplate it, the more the the less the enemy has a foothold in our experience. We must behold Christ. We must behold the grace that He has made available to us. So, with that, you see, I have two pictures here. I wasn't sure exactly how I was going to illustrate it, but I just put them here. <laughs> So you have a picture of a sunflower. You, if I was, you guys seen, I didn't know sunflowers are so big until I got a little bit older and I noticed they grow so big. But you notice that a sunflower, every time the sun moves, the sunflower moves its face towards that very sun. Every time he moves, every time the sun moves, the sunflower moves right with it. 
feels right with it. His focus is on that son. There's some type of connection that's there. This is the same type of experience a believer needs to have where his focus is on his Lord and Savior. Wherever Christ moves, that's where he moves. Wherever Christ moves, that's where she moves. Because our focus is not ourselves. Our focus is not our problems. Our focus is the Son of God, Jesus Christ the righteous, the revelation of the Godhead embodied in flesh. That's our, that's our responsibility. That's our goal. Where's Christ? Now let's go to John. I want to go to John. Let's spend some time in John chapter 15. John chapter 15. In John chapter 15, and we're going to begin reading. I want to start reading in verse number one. Notice what the Bible says in John chapter 15, verse one. I am the true vine, and my father is the husbandman. Every branch in me that beareth not fruit, he taketh away. And every branch that beareth fruit, he purges it, that he may bring forth more fruit. Now, before I go any further with that, that purging part, that pruning part, doesn't always make sense to us when we think about it. Like when we're we're the ones being pruned and purged. <laughs> like that doesn't feel good. Like, okay, Lord, I don't know what you're doing right now, but this does not feel good. Can you please make an adjustment on what you're fixing? And he's like, I am the husband, man. I, I know what's best for you, right? Now ye are clean through the word, which I have spoken unto you. Abide in me. Now watch this, friends. Oh, this is such a powerful text. Abide in me. And I in you, as the branch cannot bear fruit of itself, except ye abide, except it abide in the vine. No more can ye, except ye abide in me. I am the vine, ye are the branches. He that abideth in me, and I in him, the same bringeth forth much fruit. For without me, ye can do nothing. Everybody taking that in? You thinking about that? So we are the branches. Christ is the vine. The fruit is not ours. Y'all not hear what I just said. The fruit is generated because of who we are connected to. If you, as a believer, are trying to bear fruit without being connected to the vine, you are seeking to do an impossibility. I said it slowly so we can get it, right? You cannot grow if you're not connected to the source of what makes all things grow. We are simply conduits. We are means by which God uses to allow his light to shine. Whatever glows, glows because of him. Whatever is produced in an abundant way, it's because of him. If there's any goodness, it is because of him. Therefore, I cannot take any glory to me for anything that comes of my relationship with him, other than to say, praise God, praise Jesus. He's so good to me. 
oh, Brother Waller, you give great sermons or you give great Bible studies. Guess what? That only happens because I'm connected to him. Otherwise, I'm a shriveled up thing that needs to be burned. Are you following? <laughs> like, there's nothing good. Oh, you're a great wife. Well, guess what? You can't be a great wife without being connected to the vine because the vine is the source of all life. Oh, you're a great employee. No, you cannot be a great employee without Christ. You may have the what may look like great employee stuff going on, but if that is happening, it's because Christ is the one producing goodness through you. Jesus is divine. We are the branches. Our need cries out for connection with him. If you abide in me and I in you, you will bear much fruit. That's what it says. So the question is, how do I abide? Wouldn't that be a good question to ask? Lord, how do I abide? How do I abide? You know, though the question may seem profound in nature, it is actually fairly simple. Right now, you are somewhere. I don't know where you are. I presently am in my favorite room in the house, my office. This, I have so many things in my office. So many goodies. If you came to visit one day, you would see I have a ton of goodies in here. I like this place. I abide here. I stay here. Does that make sense? What I'm saying? Where you abide is where you stay. Well, how do you stay in Christ? I'm asking you. Give me some ideas. What, 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 if I say abide in Christ, what does that mean to, to, to stay in Christ, to, to abide in Christ? What does that mean? Give me some ideas. Throw it in the chat. What does it mean to abide in Christ, to stay in Christ, to remain in Christ? Give me some ideas. Don't be afraid. Well, you could if you want to be afraid. You don't have to be afraid. But what does it mean to remain, to stay? Okay, to have worship daily. We definitely should have worship daily. Uh, we should definitely be in a state of worship, right? For sure, right? What else? Read the word. Live by the word and keep your eyes on Jesus. Amen. So you're talking about worship. You're talking about reading the word, staying in the word. Keeping your eyes on Jesus, that's good. Anyone else? What does it mean to abide in Christ? Abide equals in accordance. Okay, I like that. In accordance. Uh, Brother Kevin, what do you mean by in accordance? What does that mean to you, in accordance? What does that mean? Abide in Christ. Be in accordance with Christ. Walk, talk, think, okay? Walk, talk, think of Christ. Your, your mind is stayed in Christ. You're in fellowship with Christ, okay? To accept or act in accordance with a rule, decision, or recommendation, okay? So to be in harmony with, to, to walk, act, decide to be in accordance with the rule that's there, to abide by. Okay, very good, guys. I appreciate these, this, this input. So when we're talking about abiding in Christ, we're not talking about necessarily something that's, okay, be totally connected to the Holy Spirit. Amen. Now, when, when we're talking about abiding in Christ, I want us to think in terms of relationship, okay? Because he could have said, 
stay stay reading your bible stay praying he literally says abide like there's like a there's a warmth to the word right there's a warmth to this idea to to be in the very presence of the most high to abide in christ so with that idea in mind i i want you to think about your relationship and how you can maintain your abiding with him as we go forward. And I'm going to read this quotation to you. It says, many have an idea that they must do some part of the work alone. Okay, so somehow in my growth, I have to do it by myself. But no, that's not true. They have trusted in Christ for the forgiveness of sin. But now they seek by their own efforts to live aright. But every such effort must fail. Y'all hear that? Every such effort must fail. It has to fail. Why? Jesus says, without me, ye can do nothing. So when you went to Jesus for your salvation and he gave you grace and on the books you were written as clean and you were holy and you were pure, when that happened, did you do anything? No, all you did was give God permission to take your heart. And then when he took your heart, he wrote, he wrote the books over. He made them clean, right? So you didn't make yourself clean in his declaration. And so it is, my friends, when we're talking about growing in Christ. You don't all of a sudden now have to make yourself be a Christian now by your own efforts. No. Every such effort will fail. Jesus says, without me, you can do nothing. Our growth in grace, our joy, our usefulness all depend upon our union with Christ. Our union with Christ. And I love how you guys said it already. Some of you already said it. It is by communion with him. How often? Daily, hourly, by abiding in him. Now notice how the, the word communion and abiding are interchanged in this sentence. It is by communion with him daily, hourly, by abiding in him, that we are to grow in grace. How are we to grow? In grace. Let me tell you, you're swimming in grace right now. I already made that point, right? We're swimming in grace. Right now, we're breathing in grace. We are in grace right now. You have the opportunity to grow in that grace, to abide and to, to bask in that grace. And in that moment in time, you also have the opportunity of fellowship and communion. And in so doing, you begin to grow. He is not only the author, but the finisher of our faith. Amen. It is Christ first and last and always. He is to be with us, not only at the beginning and the end of our course, but at every step of the way. Praise the Lord. David says, I have set the Lord always before me. How often? He's always before me because he is at my right hand. I shall not be moved. So the question will come back then, if we are moved, are we having the Lord always before us? Is the Lord at my right hand? You know, as you go through trials and tribulations, and I have been going through my unique storm that has been specifically designed for me. <laughs> as I've been going through my trials and tribulations in the midst of my storm, I start to realize something that Maybe you have realized yourself, or maybe you haven't. I don't know. But for me, I realized that though I have spoken well, like I could speak well and whatever, whatnot, 
And I have lived a very missionary-minded life for the majority of my adult experience. There are still levels in my experience where I don't trust God. And I didn't realize how deep that was until my recent, you know, recent storm that I'm in. And, and I realized that because I'm like, you know, if you keep focusing on the negative that's happening, or you focus in on that, which is, is done wrong to you, focus on, on that, which is not right. You focus on those things, you lose sight of the one that has the solution to your problem. So therefore I am now obsessed with my trouble and not obsessed with my savior. Does that make sense? So how can I have perfect peace if my mind is not stayed on him? So the text now makes, makes more sense when you're in the midst of a trial and tribulation because now it's no longer a theoretical or sense of information. And now it has to be practical. I will keep him in perfect peace whose mind is stayed upon thee because he trusted in thee. Do I trust him? That's the question. Do, do I? Do I? Do I trust my Lord and Savior the way I should? The answer is no, I don't trust him like I should. Father, teach me how. And there's space for grace. As I swim in that grace, the more strength I receive. You know, when you become a Christian, trials don't just go away. What happens is they present themselves. And the Christian is designed and buffered and given these opportunities to allow God to demonstrate his power in their behalf. The yoke becomes easy because you no longer are bearing the brunt of the weight of the trial. Christ is. Amen. Hallelujah. <laughs> he is to be with us, not only at the beginning and the end of our course, but at every step of the way, David says, I have set the Lord always before me because he is at my right hand. I shall not be moved. So the question that I have that I raise to you right now is how am I to abide in Christ? Colossians, go with me to the book of Colossians, 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 one of those small books that I enjoy reading, Colossians chapter two, Colossians chapter two, and we want to start reading at verse number six. Colossians 2 and verse 6. Watch this. As ye have therefore received Christ Jesus the Lord, so walk ye in him. Huh. Well, how did you receive Christ Jesus the Lord? Well, you received Christ by faith. Right? You, you didn't receive Christ because you ate a certain way or dressed a certain way. or You received Christ by faith. So the same way that you receive Christ is the same way that you are to walk in Christ, okay? The same way that you receive Christ is the same way that you're supposed to walk in Christ. Go to Hebrews, 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 Hebrews chapter 10. Watch this, Hebrews chapter 10, verse 38. So how are we to walk? How are we to abide? How are we to live in Christ? Hebrews chapter 10, verse 38 says, now the just shall live by, what's it say? Faith. But if any man draw back, my soul shall have no pleasure in him. So 
to draw back means I'm not walking in faith. I'm walking in what I feel, how I, how I think, how whatever. But faith says, I'm going to go by what the word declares. Now watch, watch, watch this quote. I thought this was an amazing quote too. Every quote I read, I think is amazing. Because this is profound. By faith, you became Christ, meaning that you became his. And by faith, you are to grow up in him. So by faith, you receive them. And by faith, you are to grow up in him. By giving and taking. Now, what do you mean by giving and taking? Please, please expound. Now, watch this. You are to give all. All of what? Your heart, your will, your service. That's what you're to give. So there's, this is a give and take relationship. I give all, whatever that little bit of all is. You give yourself to him to obey his command, his requirements. And you must take. Now, what am I supposed to take? Now, listen to this, friends. I don't know if you, this, when I read this, I got excited. What am I supposed to take? I'm supposed to take all. What is the all that I'm supposed to take? Christ, the fullness of all blessings to abide in your heart, to be your strength, your righteousness, your everlasting helper, to give you power to obey. Y'all not hearing this thing. <laughs> did you hear, did you read what I just read? If you can see it, uh, you, you, you have to just take this in. I'm supposed to give, what I'm supposed to give? Everything I am. I'm supposed to give my heart, my will, my service. I'm supposed to give him Give myself to him to obey all his requirements. I'm going to give it to him. And what is he what I'm supposed to take? Everything that he has. And he's given me permission to take everything. Take everything that is Christ. Take all his blessings. Take, take to abide in your heart, to be your strength, your righteousness, your everlasting But Tell me something, my friends. Um, anybody in this group, not to, you don't have to tell me out loud, but if you got a million dollars, how about? I give you my bank account and I take yours. Anybody, <laughs> any, any takers, you, any multimillionaires on this line? Uh, I want you to understand the contrast of what is being presented to us right now. I give everything I have, right? And then he gives me everything he has. I don't think it's a fair trade, just to be honest. I'm, you know, if you look at the specs, the details, <laughs> If, if, if you look at if you look at the equation, as, as Brother Roy has put the formula, I don't think this is fair. I think I think God is getting the raw deal on this. He wants everything. He wants everything from me. And I get to take everything from him. I don't think it's fair. Uh, you know, <laughs> usually when your people are doing a deal, right? It's supposed to be, you know, fitty fitty. You know what I'm saying? Like it's a win win situation. I think I win everything, and Christ taking all, you know, all of my stuff. Okay, I mean, if He wants it, like this is amazing. It's like you go into the store, and they're like, "Okay, everything in the store is on sale for a dollar." You're like, "For a dollar?" Okay, everything in the store is on sale for a dollar. Everything in the store, your favorite store, everything is set for, for a whole dollar. That's the same type of concept. God is like, all of heaven is open to you for you to have. All you got to do is give me everything you've got. I don't have that much. That's fine. Give me everything you got. Okay. And boom, God says, all right, you got everything. You got the keys to the kingdom. You got keys to the car. You got keys to the house. You got keys to the 
Fort Knox, you got keys to the bank account. You got keys everywhere. You have everything you need to live a godly life. Why? Because he's not asking you to live a godly life without him. He's saying, let me come in, let me have control, and I will help you grow into what you're supposed to be. Hallelujah. Praise God, man. I don't have to do this by myself. No, I do not have to do it all alone. So what is your very first work? Oh, I love this. Watch this. What's my very first work? If there's a work to be done, what is the very first work I must do? Here it is. Consecrate yourself to God in the morning. Make this your very first work. I'm giving you something practical. Very first work. Consecrate yourself to God in the morning. Make this your very first work. Let your prayer be. What is that? Take me, O Lord, as holy thine. I lay all my plans at thy feet. Use me today in thy service. Abide with me and let all my work be wrought in thee. Now watch this. This is a daily matter. Friends, there are a few instructions literally that are given to us in a very practical way. This is one of those things that are very simple and practical. What am I supposed to do first thing in the morning? Consecrate myself to God. Make this your very first work. That means do not pick up your cell phone. Y'all not hear me. Do not pick up your Facebook first. Do not check your email first. Do not talk to your spouse first. Do not brush your teeth first. Do not take a shower first. Make what your very first work? Consecrate yourself to God. Make this your very first work. Now, somebody's going to say, well, Andre, I really stink. I really need to take a shower. I'm not saying, I'm not, listen, if it's really bad, you got to go take a shower so you can clean. Fine. That's not what I'm talking about. What I'm talking about is before you begin running like a crazy person in your day, before you begin all your responsibilities to everyone that you know, Make your very first work your consecration to God and let your prayer be, Lord, take me as holy thine. I lay all my plans at your feet to be given up or taken apart as you see fit. Use me today in thy service. Abide with me and let all my work be wrought in thee. What a prayer. And again, somebody says, I'm, and I'm, I'm not trying to say you need to say this verbatim. It's the spirit of it, my friends. It's the essence of it that you need to have. Every single solitary morning, do this. Because if you don't, all the devil's trying to do is get you to separate from Jesus. That's his objective. That's it. Abide with me and let all my work be wrought in thee. This is a daily matter. Not a monthly matter. Daily. Each morning, consecrate yourself to God for that day. Surrender all your plans to him to be carried out and given up as his providence shall indicate. Thus, day by day. How often, my friends? Day by day. You may be giving your life into the hands of God, and thus your life will be molded more and more after the life of Christ. Listen, I'm giving what we're sharing right now is altering life-saving information. 
This is not complicated. Like, this is not, I'm not telling you, you have to understand the 2300 day prophecy, though you should understand it. I'm not saying you have to understand every nuance of every text of what happens when you die, though you should understand that too. And I'm not telling you that you need to understand every Bible text that talks about the Sabbath, its relation to salvation, its relation to end time events, its relation to the market of beasts, though you need to understand that too. No, this is the more simple, basic concept. In the morning, before you do anything else, consecrate yourself to God. Consecrate yourself to God. Consecrate, you know, like, you know how you have consecration services? Those are, those are deep, you know what I'm saying? Consecration service, they, they sometimes they lay hands on folks. They, they put oil on folks' heads sometimes. We're talking about that level of consecration. It's not, a, it's not just, uh, good morning, Father, thank you for this day. Bless, you know, no, you're consecrating. You're taking the time. You're taking the time to make sure body, mind, soul, dedicated to the most high. First work. Not second work, not third work, not tenth work, first, first work. Amen. Uh, this is my one of my favorite quotes of all time. And I don't know, this looks like it's off the screen. It may be off the screen, so I may have to uh, just read it to you here. It says, a life in Christ is a life of restfulness. Oh, it's a life of restfulness. Let me see something real quick here. Yeah, it looks like it's off the screen. Let me do this real quick. <laughs> Huh. How did I do that? All right. So here we go. Let me, let me minimize this. So a life in Christ. Let me see this. What am I doing? Here we go. Here we go. A life in Christ is a life of restfulness. There may be no ecstasy of feeling. So I'm, I'm reading this directly from my other screen. So you guys, let me, you know what? Let me just share my other screen. How about that? That makes, that will make life easier. I think. So let me, let me come out of here for a second. I'm going to share my other screen. Boom. All right, you guys can see that. All right. So a life in Christ is a life of restfulness. Did I share? That looks like Facebook. Yep, here it is. A life in Christ is a life of restfulness. There may be no ecstasy of feeling, but there should be an abiding, peaceful trust. Your hope is not in yourself. It is in Christ. Now, we're going we're gonna to take our time on this, friends. We are going to take our time on this. So a life in Christ is a life of restfulness. There may be no ecstasy of feeling. So I'm not looking for a feeling. But there should be an abiding, peaceful trust. Your hope is not in yourself. Amen. It is in Christ. Your weakness is united to his strength. Your ignorance to his wisdom. Your frailty to his enduring might. So you are not to look to yourself. Not to let the mind dwell upon self. Are you following? Not to let the mind dwell upon self, but look to Christ. Let the mind dwell upon his love, upon the beauty, the perfection of his character. Christ in his self-denial. Christ in his humiliation. Christ 
in his purity and holiness, Christ in his matchless love. Now watch this. This is the subject for the soul's contemplation. It is by loving him, copying him, depending wholly upon him that you are to be transformed into his likeness. Friends, I tell you the truth. One of the most profound statements I have ever read in my entire life, and the reason why I I say it's one of the most profound I've ever read in my entire life is because what it does, every weakness that is evident in our experience, he makes up for. So for instance, where I am weak, he is strength. He is my strength. Where I'm ignorant, he is my wisdom. Where I'm frail, he is my enduring might, right? So my eyes are not fixed upon him. My, my, my eyes are not fixed upon myself or my own situation. My eyes are fixed upon him. He is my wisdom, my strength. He is my all. And I know, listen, friends, we have moments when we find ourselves not doing or trusting like we should. And in those moments, it's a recognition that I'm not where I need to be. It's not a point of saying, oh, I'm not where I'm supposed to be. Therefore, I'm going to go to hell. That is not that is not the mindset. When you realize where you are, you go to the physician. You follow? Like when you realize where you are, you don't say, oh, I didn't do it this time. So I'm out. I don't want to be a hypocrite. I'm out. No. The Holy Spirit brought it to your attention so that now it could be addressed so that you can find yourself back in the right place where you're supposed to be, right? The only way, listen, the only way we're going to be lost, is the, the only way we're going to be lost is if we say, I just don't want the grace of God. But even when you say that, heaven still is working in your behalf. But you're, you're, you're going to have to work really hard. You're going to have to work really, 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 really Really, 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 and there's not enough reallys. Really hard to be lost. I'm telling you right now, you are going to have to do yeoman's work to go away from what God has provided for you, especially if you're listening to me right now. It's like if God has you orchestrated so that you're listening to the Facebook or you're watching this on the Zoom and you're watching the recording or you're listening to this on podcasts or you're watching this on YouTube somewhere, if God has orchestrated you to hear this right now, that means he's working overtime. That means he loves you more than words can be possibly put into, into, in, into format on formation. He's presenting himself saying, I am everything that you need. There's no man, there's no woman, there's no boy, there's no girl, there's no church or individual that substitutes for Jesus himself, my friends. He is everything to us. Everything, everything to us. So let's go a little bit further. So let's look at a few texts. We're almost done here. Matthew chapter 11, verse 28. We've read this text before, but let's read it again. In Matthew chapter 11, verse 28 and 29, the Bible says, Come unto me, all you that labor and heavy laden, and I will give you, what's it say? Rest. I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn, learn, learn of me. For I am meek and lowly in heart, and ye shall find rest unto your souls. O soul, are you troubled and weary? No light in the darkness you see. Huh? If you're troubled and you're weary, 
turn your eyes on Jesus and you will find rest, my friend. Psalms 37. Psalms 37. And we're looking at verse number seven. Psalms 37. And look at verse number seven. The Bible says, rest in the Lord. Come on now. Rest in the Lord and wait patiently for him. Come on, man. The Lord's talking to me right now. Rest in the Lord and wait patiently for him. Fret not thyself because of him who prospereth in his way because of the man who bringeth wicked devices to pass. Come on now. Sometimes, my friends, when you look at the evil that is going on, you say to yourself, have I been good for no reason? <laughs> the Lord says, rest. Though you see these things transpiring, just rest. Rest. Be patient. Wait patiently for the Lord. And the Lord will work out your trial and tribulation in your behalf. Why rest? Why wait? Why wait? Because there is no solution in restlessness. Come on now. How many, how many times has worrying solved any problems? I know when I've stayed up and worried and thought and thought and thought and thought and think 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 and I just keep thinking and thinking and thinking and thinking, it solves nothing. I'm not resting. I am restless. Solving problems, solving problems. Guess what, my friends? Guess what? I'm going to tell you something right now. There are people right now who are so fearful and afraid that there's going to be a nuclear fallout somewhere. There are people that are so, so frustrated and so afraid with things they cannot control that they find themselves having heart problems, how properly. I remember to, even today I got triggered. I was I was sitting here, I got, I got a message and my body just like, my body just went, oh. and I was like, what is that? I had to do some self-examinations. I had to go into some prayer. <laughs> Lord, what is it that, that causes me to respond that way in the midst of a problem? Say, like, son, you don't trust me. Hmm. That's hard, man. Because we want to be in control. We want to make sure everything works out the way we think it's supposed to work out. But heaven says, I got you. Let me work this out the way it's supposed to work out. Let me do for you what you cannot do for yourself. If you trust me, I will do for you what you cannot do, my friends. So this is why when there's a storm going on, Jesus can sleep in the boat. You think that's, you know, when you read that story, we want to be more like a, like a Peter who walks on water and then Jesus helps him walk on I. I need to be like Jesus sleeping the boat while the storm is going. You feel me? <laughs> That's what we need. Troubles all around. I'm going to go ahead and take a nap. Not one of those depressed naps. That's not what I'm talking about. I'm talking about that peaceful nap. Like, God's got this. I ain't got to worry. I got I to go to sleep. I got to work tomorrow. I can't be up here fretting all day about something I can't control. Rest, my friends, in the Lord. Trust him isaiah now again you can't trust god unless you try him first right you can't trust him unless you try him you got to try him give him something small see if he don't come through what he says he's going to come through every time isaiah chapter 30 verse 15 the bible says for thus saith the lord god the holy one of israel 
and returning and rest shall ye be saved. Come on now, pay attention. In quietness and in confidence shall be your strength. Come on. And ye would not. Mercy. The, 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 watch, 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 watch. But ye said, no, for we will flee upon horses. Therefore shall we flee and we will ride upon the swift. Therefore shall they pursue you. Be swift. Now watch. The reason why I read that. The reason why I read that. Here God promises. For thus said the Lord, the Holy One of Israel, in returning and rest shall you be saved. In quietness and confidence shall you have strength. But they said, no, we're going to mount up on our own horses and we're going to go fight for ourselves. And in doing their own thing to save themselves, they found themselves in greater trouble. That's what the Lord told me to wait. Andre, wait on me. Don't do stuff of yourself. You'll make more of a mess. Wait on the Lord. So here are the great distractions. We kind of talked about this last week or other times we talked, but let's talk about it again. So the great distractions, here, here they are. The pleasures of the world. The pleasures of the world will distract you from your dependence upon God. The cares and perplexities and sorrows of this life, those things will distract you, my friends, from your dependence upon God. How about this? The faults of others. That will distract you from your dependence upon God. And watch this. Even your own faults and imperfections, those will distract you from your dependence upon God. Tell me, anything in this list, have you, have you focused on any of the, the pleasures of the world, the cares and perplexities? Cares and perplexities is like my bills, man. The bills got to get paid. The bills got, my kids ain't acting right. My husband ain't acting right. My wife ain't acting right. Folks ain't acting right. Somebody dies in a family, this and that. All this stuff that's going on. All these things are great distractions from your source of strength. And I'm not saying these things won't happen. I'm not saying they don't exist. What I'm saying is they are not your focus. We should not make self the center and indulge anxiety and fear as to whether we shall be saved. Mercy. We must find our rest in God. Where's our rest? In God. So when we're on this line, when we're done with our conversation today, nobody on this line should be like, I don't know if, if God loves me. I don't know if I'm accepted and beloved. Guess what? You're surrounded in grace. Guess what? As you breathe, the very air that you're breathing, it's full of grace. Guess what? The very life that you're breathing is his life. So don't question whether or not he loves you. Don't question whether or not you are in a right saved relationship to build anxiety. No, 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 my friends. He loves you. So now the question is, do I accept his love? That's the only question you have. Do I accept his love? Because him loving you and saving you has nothing to do with you being perfect, has everything to do with him being who he is and you accepting who he says he is to you. Do you accept it? Is he your everything? Does he have your heart? Does he have everything? We're almost finished here. Second Corinthians. It's amazing. Every time we do these studies, I thought I would be done sooner, but it keeps, let's just keep going. I thought, I was like, man, I, today is going to be a little shorter. <laughs> Not so much. Second Corinthians chapter three, verse 18. Second Corinthians chapter three, verse 18. The Bible says, but we all with open face beholding as in a glass, the glory of the Lord 
are changed into the same image from glory to glory, even as by the spirit of the Lord. So what's the principle here? I am watching. I am beholding the Lord. I am beholding the son of righteousness. And as I behold, I am changed. Think about John. John, the disciple, considered one of the sons of thunder. And the more time he spent with Jesus, he no longer, at the end of the day, is considered the son of thunder. He's considered one of the disciples that Jesus loved. He gave himself that monicum. He's the one that laid his head on his chest. Now, it's not a lot of men that will lay their head on other men's chest. You follow? But this is what transpired in his experience as he beheld the one he loved. Now, when you love Jesus, he transforms you. You don't transform yourself. Hebrews chapter 12. Hebrews chapter 12. Go there with me. Hebrews chapter 12. And we're looking at verse number two. Hebrews chapter 12, verse two. The Bible says, looking unto Jesus. Where are your eyes at? On Jesus. Looking unto Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despising the shame, and is set down at the right hand of the throne of God. See, Jesus beholds the objective. And he goes beyond what he sees or feels. And he says, I have an objective. And he seeks and strives and pushes for the joy that was set before him. What's the joy? Our salvation. His undying love. That's the joy that's set before him. The question is, have you accepted what he has provided? All of heaven given in one gift in the son, Jesus Christ, the righteous. Have you accepted that gift? Paul, the apostle, persecuting and prosecuting the people of God. And then God comes and visits him and he's knocked off his high horse. <laughs> Get it? He's knocked off his high horse. The Lord comes and says, why persecutest thou me? Why kickest thou against the pricks? In that moment, Saul then changes to Paul and now becomes this man of God. Uh, now, mind you, he's a murderer. He's a person that went after people of God. He's throwing Scott's people in prison. This is a man that was completely different. And the stories that we read in scripture are not philosophical, theoretical, essential information. These are life-changing stories. These are testimonies of the power of God, sons of thunder to loving, humble, kind disciple, a man of a persecutor of the church becoming the, the greatest church builder that existed in that time frame. We're talking about life-changing experience. We have come so theoretical in our Christian walk that we think everything's a debate. Let me tell you what's not a debate. What's not a debate is the power of God. What's not a debate is God's ability to change hearts and minds. What's not a debate is that God spoke and it happened. He created and no man can stand in his way. He is the one that tells the end from the beginning. There is no debate with that. Now you can kick your head against the pricks and kick your feet against the wall and you can argue amongst yourselves about this theological information and that, but it does nothing to change the reality of what is true. That God sits on the throne at this very moment. Jesus is our intercessor. And the Holy Spirit is the avenue by which God pours out his life 
in his children. And if you don't allow God to do what he wants to do with you, then you're going to be lost. That's your choice. He doesn't force himself. But if we allow him to do what he wants, what does he want? He wants to give all of heaven, all of heaven in one gift in his son, Jesus Christ, the righteous. And if we accept him, we receive everything. He'll give you peace that passes all understanding. He'll give you wisdom and grace and tolerance for people that you normally wouldn't have any tolerance for. <laughs> He'll give you joy when it doesn't make sense for you to have joy. He is everything to us. And as we are in him, we are given space to grow and to develop. And grow, grow more and more. We're not there yet, my friends. We have not ascended. We are not, we have not, we have no ascension roads at this moment. But what we do have is the grace of God to allow us to grow in him. That day by day, moment by moment, we will learn to love God and love each other. Some people call it victory over sin. I want to rename it for the sake of the simplicity of the gospel. It's a relationship that is good with God and good with man. And we love even the unlovable. That's victory. That's grace personified, lived out and demonstrated in the lives of God's children. Nearly done. Here we go. Couple more, couple more slides here. Let's talk about it. John chapter 16. John chapter 16. We're looking at verses 23 and 24. We're talking about the power of God, the power of the Holy Ghost in the life of the growing believer. John 16, verse 23, it says, And in that day ye shall ask me nothing. Verily, I say unto you, Whatsoever ye shall ask the Father in my name, he will give it you. Hitherto have ye asked nothing in my name. Ask, and ye shall receive, that your joy may be, what's it say? Full. John chapter 8, verse 34. Go to John chapter 8 and verse 34. Notice what the Bible says. Jesus answered him, them, saying, Verily, verily, I say unto you, whosoever committeth sin is the servant of sin. Interesting. So now, in one hand, we pray and ask for whatever we need. We receive it. On the other hand, who's, or did I say John? It should be Romans. On the other hand, if we sin, we, we grieve God. It's actually Romans. Go to Romans. Wrong, wrong verse. Sorry about that. Romans chapter 8, verse 34. The Bible says, who is he that condemneth? It is Christ that died, yea, rather, that is risen again, who is even at the right hand of God who also maketh intercession for us. Okay, that's the main point. Thank you, thank you, thank you, Holy Ghost, for bringing my eyes to see it. Okay, so the main point, Christ is living to intercede. We ask and he will provide. There's nothing that he's keeping from us. Now, John chapter 14, verse 17. John 14, verse 17. Watch this. Even the spirit of truth, whom the world cannot receive because it seeth him not, neither knoweth him, but ye know him, for he dwelleth with you, and watch what it says, and shall be where? In you. So we're asking, he's going to give. He's going to provide. 
he ever listen, make intercession for us. What are we asking for? The Holy Spirit. John chapter 16, verse 7, it says, nevertheless, I say, tell you the truth. It is, it is expedient for you that I go away. For if I go not away, the comforter will not come unto you. But if I depart, I will send him unto you. Who is being sent? The Holy Spirit. Acts chapter 4, verse 13. Acts chapter 4, verse 13. Notice what the Bible says in Acts chapter 4 and verse 13. The Bible says, now when they saw the boldness of Peter and John and perceived that they were unlearned and ignorant men, they marveled that they took knowledge of them that they had been with Jesus. What do you mean? Well, these men were full of the Holy Ghost. I love how Steps to Christ says, and, I, and I'm going to read it, this one line. There's a whole paragraph that goes with it, but this one line just makes so much sense. It says, their union with him, it's talking about with Christ, was closer than when he was personally with them. What do you mean by that? When we receive the Holy Spirit, my friends, and the Spirit of God begins to live inside and produce the fruit that we want to reflect in the world, that union is closer to us than when Jesus was with his disciples talking with them one-to-one -one every day. That's the type of privilege that we have as children of the king. John chapter 17, verse 20. This is our last verse for tonight. John chapter 17 and verse 20. The Bible says, neither pray I for these alone, but for them also which shall believe on me through their word. Now, my friends, now why do I put that text in? Because the disciples spend time with Jesus. The disciples received the outpouring of the spirit of God. And the disciples were able to preach and to teach and bring many souls to Jesus. So it is. He didn't just pray for the disciples that they received this gift. God prayed so we, his children, here right now, in this time, can receive this gift of the Holy Spirit. That will help us grow. So he is the vine. We are the branches. That sap of power that goes through the vine and branches is the Holy Ghost that produces fruit in the experience of the believer. And my friends, each one of us want to produce fruit, but we cannot do it without a vital connection with God. So my challenge tonight is simple. My challenge tonight is simple. If you're listening, you're listening on Facebook, you're listening in the Zoom right now, you're listening on the podcast right now, you're listening on YouTube right now, wherever you're listening. Are you fully connected with the Most High? Have you surrendered and agonized in your surrender with him? And I know today I was talking to a friend of mine. It's like, I know I have not wrestled, wrestled, wrestled with God. Like, I need to wrestle. Like, you may, you may not see me for a few days because I'm going to be wrestling, right? I, we need to wrestle with God to make sure that there's nothing between us and him because I need to give him all of me because he's going to give me all of himself. And all of himself is more than enough to help me in my present walk in this present world. He's not asking you to do something of your natural self. He's not asking you to do something so hard per se. It's hard if you try to do it yourself. Yes. Being a Christian is hard when you're trying to be a Christian by your strength. Yes. I would suggest not to do that. In fact, more than a suggestion, don't do that. Don't be a Christian 
in and of and by yourself. Well, you want to be as a Christian? You want to be a Christian by saying, Father, take my heart, for I cannot give it. It's your property. Keep it, for I cannot keep it for thee. Save me from myself. My weak, unchristlike self. And raise me into a pure and holy atmosphere where the rich currents of your love truly can flow through my soul. Father, please do this for me. Do this for my friends. Lord, we don't want to play religion in church. We are fighting and we are struggling. Some of us are barely holding on. We're in hand-to-hand combat with the enemy of our souls. Some of us, even when we're done listening to this, have to go back into a dark place. And Lord, I pray for angels that excel in strength to be the rear guard and the front guard and the side guards for your children. Bring light in the dark place, Father. Bring clarity of thought and feeling, Lord, into these moments and times when we are discouraged, Father, when we don't feel your presence, when we don't feel like we're Christians, Lord. Please help us. There's nowhere else to go, Lord. Our friends can't help us. Our family can't do it. Only you can. So we come to you, Lord. We want to grow. And our growth is inevitable as we abide in you. So, Lord, Teach us how to give and take. Teach us how to abide. We love you, Father. We ask that you teach us to love you more than anything else in this world. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. My friends, thank you so much for coming out this evening. If you understood the word of God tonight, just say amen. Type it in the chat. Amen. If you understood the word of God this evening. Appreciate you guys coming out every Friday. It is encouraging to me. It keeps me going. Um, and your prayers are coveted on this side. I do pray for you. And I, you know, you guys have a wonderful Sabbath evening. I am literally, uh, your lesson guys will be coming. The audios will be coming in a massive email to those of you who are in the uh, study group. So look out for that uh, coming here next week for sure. I have a little bit more time. Thank you guys. You guys have a wonderful Sabbath. Praise God for the study. Amen. Praise God. God bless you. And uh, we will connect very, very soon. And I haven't forgotten about the books that I owe you guys. So I believe, Janet, I think I owe you a book and I didn't get your address, Janet. I You wrote it in the chat, but I didn't write it down. So if you could real quick put it in the, in the chat for me so I can get you that book that I said I was going to send. The Carter family, I haven't forgotten you. I'm going to get that book to you guys as well. All right, guys, guys, blessings, blessings, blessings. Have a wonderful evening. So, Janet, don't forget, I think it's Janet that I supposed to send you a book. All right, God bless. You have a wonderful night. This concludes another episode of The Gospelpreneur. Be sure to subscribe and share with your friends so we can all grow together. Until next time, be the abundance and be blessed.